As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. Welcome to 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, the only Mavericks podcast that woke up a little bit sleepy from a nap yesterday and had a coffee to uh, counterbalance that. Um, because Luca doesn't have a podcast, so that's why we're the only one. So I'm Tim Cato, and uh, we're here to talk about uh, a eventful Thursday, um, one of the most eventful days in recent Mavericks history. They traded Kristaps Porzingis, and then Luca went off and dropped a career-high 51 points. Here to talk about it with me is Dave and Mike. Gents, how are you? How are y'all feeling? It's uh, It was a bit of a shock to the system, I think, because we all presumed, even if they should do something, as we've discussed in this podcast, they weren't actually going to do something. And then the hours tick on, and they tick on, and the minutes tick down, and they tick down, and we're 10 minutes ahead of the deadline, and then... Boom, Christoph Sporzingis is gone. So uh, that was something. It's funny. I, I wrote my column in like an hour. Uh, I just got a zone and I wrote a column in an hour and I published it. And someone tweeted, they were like, how the hell did you do this that quickly? And somebody else was like, oh, sports writers sometimes pre-write things. I was like, dude, nobody saw this coming. Nobody pre-wrote any of this. I promise you, everybody's takes of the last 24 hours are very reactionary because if you saw this coming, well, you're full of shit. You didn't. Nobody did. The buzz is, the buzz had picked up around KP being someone that the Mavericks were trying to trade in the hours and days before the deadline. But to your point, we were all working with the assumption that Porzingis was just not going to be very tradable at this deadline. And that's where the speculation that this move was coming or any move like this would be coming uh, really came from. And so that's, I think, where it was a shock. I think looking back, it's it's way less surprising. Um, like you said, you wrote your column in an hour. And honestly, it, it was not totally dissimilar from what I ended up writing Thursday night. Um, and I, I think the logic of this move is very understandable. The question is just whether it was the right move at the right time, whether this was the best possible option that they could get for Porzingis, whether moving Porzingis now, proving that he was tradable, meant that they should have traded him now, when if he was tradable at the deadline, he would have been trader, tradable this summer, he would have been tradable at next deadline. Uh, you know, I, I think even this summer, you have to ask yourself, uh, did Washington have another deal lined up for these, like this, for one of those two players that ended up coming here, they probably would have done the same deal this summer. And that would have allowed you to keep Porzingis through the playoffs. There's a lot of like things to juggle. And in without Dallas coming out and being like, here is every single framework we discussed and why we decided this one, why we didn't decide another one. Um, it's really challenging to say that they, they didn't, but, but I, I think it's worth asking questions about that. I'll ask, but let's, I'll, I'll let's, ask one we, question real quick to Dave because he's the national guy here. Yeah, let's 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 step back and talk about like 
why they did big it. Big picture? Let's, yeah. I, I mean, do you, do you want me to just come in hot? Because come in I'll hot. tell you there. right now, trading, place, trading, one, trading one guy that's hurt all the time for two guys that's hurt all the time. Great. Fun it's better. It's better I, I, if it, you're trying to trade them I later on, better. I guess. Berton's yeah. contract is longer. Uh, I think the fit with Dinwiddie is going to be – I mean, that's questionable at best. Berton's, at least you you know what he can do when he's healthy. But mm, wouldn't here, be counting start too here. much on that. Let's start so, here. So that's where I'm at with it. I, I, I don't know, man. I think Porzingis is better than both of those guys when he's healthy. But there are also – you know, you mentioned – all the different scenarios. There's also other dynamics. I don't know. Like, I don't know how things were going in the locker room. Maybe that was part of the impetus. I don't know. Um, but I do know that you now have smaller contracts. You're going to be trying to move instead of a bigger one. So if that's easier for you, maybe, I don't know. I, I just, Here, let's, let's I think work Porzingis through this being piece a better by player piece. Dave, I think, I think that does matter. What do the Mavericks, what is this season's iteration of the Mavericks lose without Porzingis? What what does not having Porzingis the rest of the year, how does that affect this team? Just very specifically, without addressing anything else, let's talk about Porzingis, mm-hmm. what it means this season, and what have, ha, I, I think that we've been very clear about his future and that he is not a viable second star for Luka. Do you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what about this season specifically? Um, we have seen the team win without Porzingis. I agree sure. that he is their best defender um, when he's been healthy this season. He's also missed a lot of time. Um, it's possible that he would be... Uh, I, honestly, one thing I think is worth mentioning is that the Mavericks have kind of played around with benching Porzingis late in games. We've seen this a few times, and usually he gets back in with like a minute to go. But they've they've done some stretches from five minutes to one minute to... Uh, that that he hasn't played, and and I think for a while they were kind of saying, oh, minute minute limits and things like that. But they've they've been playing around with the idea that he's not going to close every game, and that's something that's only going to become increasingly um, likely in in playoff settings when teams go smaller and basketball gets smaller. How how like like I do think the ceiling is lower, but yeah, is it sure. is it? Are we certain? Like how much worse are we certain they are without? Porzingis. Well, I, I think that year. in one very key area, which is the interior defense. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. I don't know who is protecting the rim on this roster now, and just in a like-for-like like transaction, you could not go from, I don't think there's a, you can imagine a bigger gap in terms of interior defense from going from one Latvian to the other in this trade, from Porzingis to Bertans, because Davis Bertans will not guard anybody. Uh, no. And Porzingis is has been an elite rim protector again this year. So in that respect, that is clearly the biggest thing Dallas will miss. The second thing that they will miss to a point, but this is much less reliable, is there have been games, especially we saw this in December when Luka was out going into early January, there were games when Porzingis played like that guy who, you know, your second or third star who can carry you offensively on a night when your guy isn't there. With him gone and with Tim Hardaway ostensibly we'll assume out for at least the regular season, right? The only player on this roster now who could do that is Jalen Brunson. That's it. I, I mean, maybe Dinwiddie has some good nights, but you know, you're talking about Luca has to be playing at an extremely high level, even more than he had been offensively to keep this thing afloat. Um, so the ceiling right. is definitely lowered this year, but we didn't think the ceiling was especially high this year anyways. So that's fine. This is really, as we all know, this is about the bigger picture than anything that happens this year. If they win a, they win a series of five seed this year or four seed, great. That's nice progress. But then what? You get curb stomped in the, in the second round? Okay. Uh, I don't think this materially changes that one way or the other. Yeah, I, don't, I agree with you there. I don't think it changes the outcome of this season. It takes away their chance to, to be a puncher in the playoffs, though. Right? Like, you don't have that guy in Porzingis who might be able to string together uh, a nice eight to ten games in the playoffs. If he just if he just started hitting forty percent of his threes in the playoffs, or had a stretch right. where he did that, this this would be by far the best season of his career when yep. he's been on the court. Yeah. So that's the thing is that you like. I don't think it changes who they are fundamentally. They're still about the same level, but <laughs> you can't really aspire to much better. 
Because right. where's it going to come from? Sorry, Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, we know who he is. Right. And he just got this really nice extension, which I think is great for everybody. <gasps> huge, uh, but huge we know who he is. Him. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I love to see people get paid. He, he said he said his mom worked at churches his first, like, three years in the league. Which, yeah. Uh, like, and he's like, now, now, like, he finally convinced her to quit, like, a, a few years into his career. And now he's like. Buy her a church's set. chicken. She's good. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's. That's amazing. Yeah. Like I love this. But yeah, cool we know what we know who he is as a player. Correct. He's not going to go like he's not going to average 25 points a game in a playoff series. Porzingis might have. And I think that missing that guy is ultimately, you know, that's that's a bummer. Um now where do you find that guy this summer? Right. I I think oh, we no. talked about on this podcast how like the Mavericks don't even have players who score 20 points and Bullock has finally started doing that as I, as I sort of predicted, but you know, losing Hardaway uh, is, is, is another player who, you know, just doesn't give you that, that ceiling upside. And, you know, they explored Hardaway uh, trades and frameworks and, and I bet they still do that uh, this but, summer too. Right. I mean, yeah, Jay, yeah, Jay, no, Kemp, absolutely. Jay Kemp wrote something for us this morning in addition to what I did yesterday over at D magazine. And Jake brought up the very good point that like, whatever you expect to happen with Jalen Brunson, either way, you cannot, with this team, have three contracts like Tim Hardaway's, Spencer Dinwiddie's, and Davis Bertans coming off your bench next year. You are going absolutely nowhere with that kind of money for those three guys off your bench. So I would firmly expect them to keep exploring, whether it's trained Tim, whether it's moving one of the Washington guys. It's uh, something has to change on that front because that's not sustainable, right? This really we, – we'll, we'll keep breaking down what these two guys do. But this isn't really about what they got. This is really big picture. Dallas betting on itself and saying, we know, we stared in the mirror, right? Two weeks ago on this podcast, we said, do they have it in them to stare in the mirror and say, you know what? Ain't going to work. We better do something. They proved that they do. And this is betting on themselves that a team that doesn't really have a lot of talent top to bottom, uh, they're saying, yes, we know we don't have a lot of talent. And this is making us less talented. But we think being more flexible we will get the talent later. That's really all this is. That's what this comes down to, is them betting on themselves in this reconfigured front office that they can get this figured out. And there's no choice now, essentially, but to wait and see if they're right. I think what Dave said matters is that I, I agree that the, this trade does not change their probable outcome. It does eliminate some of the improbable ones where they manage to win a couple series and get to a conference finals and maybe even be a little competitive against you know, one of those, uh, one of the two elite teams in the Western Conference. But I agree, it, you know, this team is good enough without Porzingis to continue winning and to continue pushing up the Western Conference standings and to win their first round series against whoever they play. And I think that was the justification for the Mavericks front office to say, let's just do this now. Let's, uh, we, we know that we have to move Porzingis. We know that is a, that is a fact. Or, and I think that checks out logically to me that, that, that they had to move on from that contract to make, uh, you know, f to provide the flexibility they need to make future moves. And that's kind of what this indicates is that, you know, for this season, this move kind of makes them static. Like, like we said, makes them, their ceiling a little bit worse. Um, but, but it, but it adds that flexibility. And, uh, if, if you, if you had to make that move, then, uh, all right, I, I, I get why they did it. Uh, let's address this. I mean, we're going to get to Spencer and, and uh, Davis Bertans and, and how they provide. I want to address like a, a second element of this trade is the reaction to it. And the fans, like I'd say like two thirds of them were, um, were very negative against it. And, and one third, there was like straight up anger, like, um, which a little melodramatic and fandom is fandom and fandom is all about overreacting and it's all about, uh, you know, expressing raw emotions. It's that's, that's what sports are an outlet for that. But, uh, why, 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 why do y'all think, um, I, I'm, I'm not like, this is not a leading question. I'm the wrong I'm, person to ask. Yeah. I okay. Mean, well, I've got I, mean, an I, I just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I have an, I think I have an answer. I mean, too, he was a controversial ahead, player, right? Right. Amongst fans. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I think it's twofold. It's one on a very basic level because I, I think, and I saw something similar. I think fans who are really plugged in in a lot of ways, I think, get it. And I think ones who aren't as salary cap attuned, and to be fair, it's probably a healthier choice for your life if you're not that salary cap attuned like degenerates like us. That's probably better. That means you're focusing on more important things. But the ones who aren't, they see on a very basic level, Dallas traded the best player in the deal. Dallas traded an all-star, and Dallas traded a guy who has looked better when he's been on the court this year than he has in a while. 
So on a very cursory level analysis, you trade a good player for two backups on a bad team, you're going to wonder what the hell is going on. And on a secondary level, the explanation of what the hell is going on is entirely rooted in stuff that this team has failed at for 10 plus years. The, the selling point, if you want to believe this, and I'm not saying to do it one or the other because I don't know, but the selling point is you had to do this so that you have more maneuverability to do better things. How many times have fans of this team heard cap space, flexibility, assets, we'll get rid of an imperfect, flawed, but good player now because it'll get us the best player in the long run? It's been a decade of that, and what has it gotten them? So of course they're going to be angry if they see them trading a good player, and it's, no, 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 wait, we'll get it right this time. They have every right to hold this organization accountable and say, you have the burden of proof. You have to show me that this is going to be fixed. And it isn't just hiring a GM and saying that Nico will fix it. No, no, I want to see results. And until they see those results, I think that's a very valid reaction. Also, I think, the, I think why now is, a, is an important question. Like, of all the times, I mean, I, I think that Porzingis could have probably had more value at other times. For sure. Uh, no. I, I you're just always so. rolling the dice. I, I, don't, I don't think so. You're just rolling, I, I, I you're just rolling so. the dice with him. That no. I think he could have had more value this summer. I'm just, no. My thing is, this is just like, it's a weird trade. to. It wasn't like, you know what? We have to go get Spencer Dinwiddie. You know what I mean? I think Porzingis is a guy that you're just kind of giving up on, and it's a weird time to do it. Dave, Porzingis' value is... No, I'm saying, I'm no, trying no, to no, approach this as a fan. No, no, no. It's completely tied to his health. Uh, no, 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 I, no, I think but a fan... I think yes. as a fan... Look, okay. Looking okay. at this, saying okay. it's a weird time to do it. That's it. And, right? and I like think, it did I think come the most, out of nowhere. I think the most visceral reactions. It? I think the most visceral reactions and emotions from fans comes from the fact that every single trade at a base level kind of gets examined through the players that are being exchanged, not the broader right. context around it. Um, so, so anyway, I think that's that's where like the 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 one third of the most angry and upset uh, reactions came from. Now. I do think that it's like even people who are more calculated and calm and composed, uh, a lot of them also have negative reactions to this. And I think that's worth talking about. And so I, I laid it out in my piece is, is that, uh, you know, the one that published Thursday night, I've, I've one that's, I think, publishing soon. So you'll probably listen to this Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Uh, there should be two pieces on The Athletic and two pieces on D Magazine, as, uh, as Mike was saying. So go check those out. I think that this is a good... You know what the what the Mavericks did to set up their their contracts and their salary sheet so that they have the framework to deal for a star. They've done that. They've done that in the you know this is a good middle of a process of a rebuilding process for them to have some salaries that can match. If they resign Brunson, I I almost I, I feel like they know they have to like whatever the price they have to. Brunson can be a pseudo centerpiece of a deal for a star. And then what else? And and we come back to this idea that the Mavericks jumped right into, like they didn't rebuild. They jumped right to being a good team without acquiring first rounders that right. weren't their own, without acquiring appealing first rounders, because what the Mavericks can trade right now is their 2025 and 2027 first rounders. There's not appealing first rounders. Uh, they'd have to drop the protections on next year's pick owed to New York, which would be fine because they're not going to finish like top eight or top 14. But, you know, those those aren't great first rounders to trade. They they have, uh, you know, Brunson as a as a, you know, I, I compared him to CJ McCollum in, in my piece I wrote on Thursday. But we just saw CJ McCollum wasn't enough to even entertain like a Ben Simmons trade. And Ben Simmons is not even like a superstar, superstar to your player and clearly needed to be traded. And that still wasn't enough to even, you know, really get Philly and Portland even discussing something like that. So they do have the framework in terms of, you know, the salaries to match and, you know, not having the unwieldiness of Porzingis' huge contract, which obviously paid him more. Uh, you know, they do have a centerpiece. They, you know, Josh Green is is turning into a decent prospect. But by speeding through those opening years of a rebuild that most teams go through when they accumulate all these things that they would later trade for a star, and that is the right approach because almost all stars are moving through trades now, not for agency, I, I still worry. I still worry that this team does not actually have the ammunition to go get whoever the next player who is disgruntled to be. Can, can I kind of push back on that slightly for a second? Because I, I've heard this, this has been a conversation before, and not necessarily even on this podcast. I don't think we've had this conversation, but it's certainly something I've had with other people who follow this team. 
because people compare this inevitably to Atlanta with Trey Young, to Phoenix with Devin Booker. Those are teams that I hear a lot in comparison of, well, they rebuilt and they have assets and look at that. You know what those guys don't have? They don't have Luka Doncic. Like, I can't – there are a lot of things that this team should have done better. And if there's one thing definitively that they should have done that they absolutely whiffed on that has cost them, it's that they should have taken Camp Bazemore's money on draft day for Wes Matthews and the first offer Atlanta gave them for Luka instead of refusing to do that to keep cap space and then moving a one. That was a definitive mistake. But after that, the reason they didn't rebuild – was because the star player they drafted was an all-NBA first-team player in his second NBA season. How much can you actually tank when he's that good? Everybody compare you. Know, I it drives me nuts. And I will. There are certain, there are absolutely things that this front office has done wrong, and I will critique this front office for. And I've done it in this podcast, and I will keep doing it. But this, I don't think, is their fault. Trey Young is not on the caliber of Luka Doncic. Devin Booker is not the caliber of Luka Doncic. Phoenix was bad for years because it took Devin Booker time to develop and because they had no plan. Atlanta took more time to develop because Trey Young isn't as good as Luka Doncic. How much can you actually rebuild when your guy that you draft is a generational player who could legitimately be a top 15 player in history and is that good, is a top five player in the league if you're going by an all NBA first team bid in his second year. You can't actually be that bad, right? That you often, can't knock a team for trying to win. Right. And it's, I mean, it's also, you can knock them for being bad at it. Yes. And, but here's the thing, right? When you have that guy and you have someone who say what you will about Rick Carlisle, but Rick Carlisle was a brilliant tactician and Rick Carlisle realized very quickly in year two, wait, if I have this guy and shooters, I could probably run an offense so efficient. I'll get to the playoffs. Of course you're going to do that. So, yes, I agree with you, Tim. You're totally right. They are in a tough spot because they don't have great assets. But this part, again, the only thing that you blame them for, you blame them for moving the pick, the Cam Reddish pick, essentially. That would have been a great asset they should have had. Totally with you. But in terms of other young players, in terms of protracted rebuilding process, it's just not possible when your star player is that special and you had a coach who knew what the hell he was doing. It was never going to happen this way. And so help me, I will shout this from the rooftops for years and years and years when people say, well, what about tanking? No, it's not that simple when you have somebody like this. It's just not. I mean, you're right. Luca, Luca, Luca was too good too soon. And, and yes. that absolutely hurt their ability to rebuild in a way that would have given them more of a framework more uh, young players and prospects that, you know, would be really beneficial to have right now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He was too good. Yeah. He yeah. was too good and, to and, tank. But also, right. like, look, they, they would have been slightly worse than they were. They would have had better draft assets or whatever. But I, I don't care. Try to win. I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, uh, they are just paying the price now for that mistake, right? Like, the mistake of getting Porzingis, kind of pushing your chips in on Porzingis a little bit. Okay. Well, and he, he, it didn't work out, but I'm not, I don't even think it was a bad deal for him. I, I think say, that that actually is a good deal. Porzingis yeah. is a good player. It well, just didn't work out. Right. That's it. Like, and now this pivot, I think, is very interesting because I don't think it's there that they added all that much flexibility. They're going to give up stuff when they eventually move Bertans. Well, so look, before we do that, I do want to like have this conversation among the three of us. Knowing what you know now, would you would you make the Porzingis trade again? Was it yeah. a failure? What is a success? Because my, my thinking is this, right? Like, we've seen what little late first-rounders get you in this league. They moved two late first-rounders and a guy who, you know, blessed Dennis Smith Jr. And, you know, based on Tim McMahon's story that came out earlier this year, the Mavericks pr- may have played a key role in him and setting him up to fail. But it doesn't change the fact that Dennis Smith Jr. is a bust. He isn't anything in the NBA. You essentially moved two late ones – a guy who is nothing and cap space to get Porzingis, to get a good player in Tim Hardaway. To me, I know it's not what people wanted. It's not the outcome you would ask for, but with the information you had at the time, I still think you make that deal every single time. It made them better at the cost of stuff that you don't need. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, quick sidebar, since you brought up Dennis Smith and and uh, and Luca and, you know, how there was a postmortem on them recently. I still don't have a idea that there's some huge postmortem to do on Luca and Chris Tapps. You know, people might be start saying more in the coming weeks about stuff that happened that they were not willing to talk about before. Um, and I'll adjust that stand, you know, the stance if, if needed. And I would probably try to write that story when, when the time is right. But I, I to my understanding and, and what people have told me is that, you know, it's, it, there wasn't some like huge altercation that, that caused all the awkwardness. There was, you know, two guys whose personalities didn't click and there's Chris steps just like sometimes too introspective of a person who cared a lot about how he was perceived in his role and, you know, really allowed the perception of how he was viewed as compared to Luca to affect his relationship with Luca. But, you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't something that had to come from, you know, a, a screaming match and after a loss in the locker room, uh, which again, still to this point, I don't think that that is out there. I don't think that those details are out there. I don't think that happened. And it's just, you know, waiting to be un- uncovered. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I won't say something like this again because in the next two weeks I hear something that is that is uh, for the first time that's that's very different. But but you know, I I, I do think that's interesting that you know, Kristaps wanted to stay here. Like Kristaps was not, you know, this trade was had nothing to do with Kristaps. Kristaps was very happy with how the team was playing. He was looking to get back. To my understanding, this this injury that had been holding him out wasn't even, you know, that that wasn't being faked or anything. Um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, this 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 was all the Mavericks and, and Chris Stubbs was finally very happy with his role here. And uh so that's that's just a sidebar that that reminded me. I, th- I thought I I thought I should touch on that. Um how are the Mavericks gonna get better? Like what what is their path forward? What is their path to get a better player? Is it a trade package now that you know sends off Bertons in a separate deal where you have to you know, send a, a future first rounder and then a Brunson package with Josh Green and uh, maybe even Dorian or Tim Hardaway Jr. to match salary or maybe Spencer is Hope playing somebody better really and likes he has Brunson some value. in the sign and trade. Right. Um, yeah, that sign and trade is. Uh, I hate I, to I tell you guys this. Right. Listen, part of the thing about Brunson that actually makes Brunson so awesome is how little money he makes. Right. And I hate to I hate to be that guy because he's a good fun player, right? Like I enjoy watching him, but uh, he instantly becomes less valuable to the team overall as soon as he signs this new deal. And I mean, you know, small guards, man. Like, what's the history look like? Is that guy gonna? I mean, is he gonna be able to keep it up? Probably. I think he's clearly an NBA starter level player. And there's clearly um, a couple of franchises which we know have a ton of interest in him, which uh, means that right. there's there's no question question he has value. Yeah, as a as a as a player, if they retain him or if they try and to sign him, and doesn't make enough money right now to have been a useful trade chip at the Correct. deadline. Period. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the idea is uh, hopefully this front office has done a good job of canvassing the league, seeing who's interested in Brunson. Uh, maybe that even informed the Dorian Finney-Smith extension, which, you know, we, we talked about the fact that they probably couldn't keep both guys. So now they, they I, have... I, no, I think they're going to try to. No, no, I, I'm I don't, saying... I don't, but, well, now they might be able to. Well, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, they, they're going to... 
you know, unless unless they do not resign Brunson, and you know they're going to be paying luxury tax uh, next season. Yeah, because but, like the contracts they brought back are you know pretty much yeah, match with Cuban. Basically, right, with but, Cuban outright admitted it yesterday. They're paying luxury right. taxes next year. Right. Is, so now it is: is Brunson going to be there or not? And so they they will know as of the, as of right now who's interested in Brunson. The sign and trade. They they could be working out the sign and trade over the next few months, and maybe they are able to swing a piece that's pretty good. I think there's a world in which one or both of Dinwiddie and Bertans' values get rehabilitated to a point here. You know, I, I look at a at a Dinwiddie who's had his moments. I think the problem with Dinwiddie that you're gonna have to deal with playing with Luca is that Dinwiddie needs the ball, and Dinwiddie hasn't done very well off the ball this year, especially playing next to Beal. So how that plays out in Dallas with Luca remains to be seen. But this is a guy who is who is although pro- what's up? Luca Luca's been doing a little bit more off the ball, sure, and and kind of coming around to the ball. And and if you've got a guy who with with the sort of dynamic playmaking that Dinwiddie has shown, yeah, he, in, in his career. Now, I would argue it's been a rough few years for Dinwiddie. This year, is not, he's not been good. Tore the um, ACL last year. Tore the ACL last year. Wasn't really all that great before he tore the ACL. Right, He was kind of a, a clunky fit in Brooklyn, too. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I do think that it is, the fit concerns should be – out there we should feel like oh this could be a a clunky fit because just the idea that you're putting another guy who needs the ball in his hands with Luca and Dinwiddie off the ball like you said he just isn't as effective and while Luca is you don't want to take the ball fundamentally you're not changing your offense I'm sorry man yeah you're not changing your fucking offense for Spencer (laughs) right that's it let me just let me just say this very clearly you're not changing your offense for fucking Spencer Dinwiddie no you're not but so which is why I think they're they're it seems like a fairly I don't want to say fairly seamless but a fairly logical idea would be with Hardaway out just let Dinwiddie be the sixth man let him run the second unit and when Dinwiddie worked in Brooklyn and this is not necessarily the best indicator of Spencer Dinwiddie's fit in a great team, but it does indicate he could do things. He was succeeding most often when Brooklyn was going through those injury stretches, and it was, how are we winning games? And then Spencer to the rescue. He had some absurd stretches last year. Um, so there's that scenario for him of put him in the second unit, give him, let him cook. Brunson's obviously playing so many starters minutes now that you could find ways to let Dinwiddie cook by himself for a bit. Maybe that rehabilitates stuff. And then with Davis Bertans, look, if there's ever a guy you would bet on when Luka Doncic is finding dudes open in the corners with his ridiculous passes to just make some shots, he's been horrible this year. But this is a career 40% three-point shooter. I cannot believe he is this bad at shooting the ball suddenly. I cannot believe it, this is possible. And if he can get healthy, he his ability to come off screens is something that this team hasn't had with Luka. Mm. Like he is a real movement shooter. Like He can run and navigate through screens. And it's weird to say this because he's so t- – like he, at his height – he You're can wrong, get Dave. open. What they had Doug McDermott. <laughs> that's actually the closest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not no. joking. Like that's uh, that's actually yeah. a, like a comparable. Sure, example but he's of, not. Of what? He is not the same movement shooter that Bertans is when he's healthy. Bertans being able no, to I agree. just stop on a dime, turn and shoot, coming around screens. Man, that's a huge useful piece. But I just don't expect him to be able to play. Like that's so, it. So here's the here's the two things on, on on both players. This is in my piece that I that just went up uh, on Friday. Uh, Theathletic.com, seventy seven minutes in heaven um, for a discount code if you guys are not subscribers. Bertans is a fifty two career percent career shooter from the corners, and this season he's fifty seven percent. He clearly can still shoot. I mm-hmm. think my concern with both players is that both of them are not the athletes they used to be. Both of them are still dealing with injuries. In the same way, the concern with Dinwiddie is that his two best seasons in Brooklyn, he was taking 31, 32% of his shots within three feet of the rim. He's taken 15% of his shots within three feet of the rim this season. I, I think I think the clear concern is not that both of them went to Wizard, you know, both of them went to Washington and they just don't fit, you know, in a in a bad system and, and don't click. Clearly, to some degree, they don't click in a worse team system. But I worry that both of them are just not the players they are anymore and that maybe they can get back there, but right now they're not. And so, you know, with Bertans, clearly, standstill corner threes, he's still knocking those down. The Like you like you said, Dave, the, the value of him as a player comes from his movement and his off-ball shooting and coming around screens and relocating above the break. And if he's not able to get to those spots, he doesn't have the mobility to get the, to those spots as easily as he did before. 
yeah, he's a less valuable player. I still think he's going to slot into you know a fifteen minutes a night role. Uh, they just don't really have the big men to to not have him in that role. Uh, and and I think Dinwiddie probably plays twenty minutes a night, he, just based off his pedigree and and how much money he's making, and that there is the clear desire for both players to try to bring up their. Oh, value I bet Dinwiddie bit. plays more than that. You think so? Oh yeah. I, how much is he going to play with Luca? Like, how many minutes can you play That's him a, with Luca? I actually think that they're going to try it. Right, I think you I, have I agree, to try it because Dinwiddie. I mean, he at least you know that uh, when he's healthy, he's got some talent. He he's a basketball player. Like that's a that's an NBA player. Like he should play. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they'll split it. I, I'm I am curious to watch it because I do think that theoretically another large guard that you can pair with Brunson is not bad, right? Like there's nothing to say that, like Mike mentioned. Maybe he's running those second units and you're able to, you know, stagger Brunson and Doncic a little bit with him and, and you see where it goes. I mean, look, it could be an excuse to get Luca more post ups. You know, I mean my, uh, my instinct... can throw a post entry pass and then you can you can run split cuts off Luca and if Bertans is healthy and able to run and shoot, I mean you you can do some stuff there. I mean, if you have a creative offensive coaching staff. I mean, you know, you could. My instinct is that they play more Luca and Brunson. Brunson doesn't sub out as quickly in the in the first quarter and third quarter. And you give Spencer a few chances as the sole point guard. You give him some chances with Brunson. And then, yeah, you, you take some looks at, at uh, Dinwiddie with, with, uh, with Luka. Play Dinwiddie at the five. Just see what happens. Let's get weird. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He is, he is tall enough that you can play all three of them functionally together. I, I don't know if that's the best use. Of, of all Rick, three, Rick would have been all about that see life. It. Rick yeah. would absolutely find ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and Kid will too. Kid absolutely will. Like, like you know, we've talked about how he views the regular season as an experiment. Like, he's gonna he's gonna let all three guards run out there together at the same time and see what happens. Uh, I, I just don't know, you know, how. I, I just I just don't see Dinwiddie as a as a functional piece next to to, you know, next to Luca and Brunson and Luca and Brunson together is your best pairing and the, the, the pairing that's going to get the most minutes in the playoffs. Those two are going to be playing 25 minutes together. You know, how much is Dinwiddie going to get chances to, to sneak in there? I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if, if he will. And so if he's getting 25, you know, if those two are getting 25, 30 minutes together, then, you know, you, you've only got 15 more, 15 ish more to, to play around with some Dinwiddie lineups. And yeah, I think he will be a little bit better, but um, yeah, it does. It does worry me. I, I don't think it's just a system thing that that has led to his decline and uh, declining ability to get to the rim. And that ability to get to the rim is the most valuable thing that he could p- potentially offer the Mavericks because they do not shoot at the rim. They are the, you know, the worst team in the league at getting shots within five feet of the rim. So yeah, there's there's some value Which is, there. And, it and should that's, be noted. That's he's improving me, but, now that Luca is in shape and going to the rim a lot more. Right. It, are, I, I'll also say. Those numbers a little bit, but, might be yeah. a little skewed, okay? Because the, the Wizards, the Wizards have a weird offense, and the Wizards play a lot of bigs. It, the, the paint isn't as open. Okay, now that's fair. So Dinwiddie may have opportunities in Dallas that he didn't have in Washington. I don't think that that's all of the story. Certainly, he definitely has lost a step. Uh, he's a, 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 maybe a half second slower on his first step. Again, both and, players have had two ACL in. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like this both is of them not have done done them twice. And Dinwiddie, right. all, the only sample size we have of him is this half. You know, since his most recent ACL is this half season with the Wizards. So. And it's not been good. No, it's not been. Good. I mean, there was a but scenario that's a, that's that... a good. That's a good point. That's a good point, and that's good context on Washington. Like, like two things can be true. He can he can be less explosive. He can have less of a first step and and have less of an ability to get to the rim and still also be way better at doing it in Dallas. Can I tell you guys one way I would have liked this a little bit more? Sure. Is if somehow Dallas had also gotten Thomas Bryant, hmm. who is a really good big, very good big, can shoot. You, he could do, do pick and pop with Luka, and he's an expiring contract for Washington. And they've, had, they just, you know, they've got Gafford, who they just re-signed. And now they did move uh, Trez Harrell. So I think that that probably informed, you know, they probably knew they were going to move Trez. They had to keep Thomas Bryant. Uh, as Gafford insurance, but man, it would have this would have felt like a much more pointed deal. Where hey, you know what? We could actually fill a positional need that we have, which Thomas Bryant would be pretty good for Dallas. That's a, maybe a guy they should be 
tampering with. He can play. <laughs> he can really play. I, I mean, look, I've unfortunately, I have watched so many Washington Wizards games the last few years because, you know, buddy with Fred Katz, and I like to do his podcast, Wizards After Dark, that, you know, he used to do. And so I know this team really well. I, I just, I don't know, man. Bertans and, and Dinwiddie just do not move the needle for me at all right now. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. TB would have done it, though. Thomas Bryant, I would have been excited about. Or if the deal had been Dragic, uh, Chris Boucher, and even if you have to send a first rounder uh, to Toronto, but but Ooh. you send them Chris Tapps. It, it, first rounder stuff. That's tough, and, and that might have been what can we, broke. Can we talk? That might have been why the thing? deal. That might have that might have been why the deal broke down. Is that Dallas was like, we'll send you the same second that we're going to send Washington, and Toronto really valued getting a first round pick back, and that's why they went with San Antonio. Yeah, what about Dragic anyway? Well, I mean, yeah. the the roster's set, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, you yeah, know, totally. I think Nico Harrison, I mean, I I think Nico Harrison is not someone who would, he doesn't strike me as a person who would say that, and then tomorrow they're they're signing Dragic. Yeah, he's not he's uh, not yeah. Donnie Nelson who's going to throw he's stuff a out lot there. More, and, you know. He's a lot more straightforward. I, I thought I thought he was actually very honest and open and, and pretty pretty good at at you know the post game press conference that he did. I will say this. I now there is an element too of it takes two to tango, right? Drogic might see this trade and say, "Oh, I will never play in Dallas now. I'm not coming." But if this is just strictly speaking from the Mavs' interest, they should still go and get him because as we discussed, it's never really been about what he does on the floor. It has been what does he add in the room and what kind of influence can he be in a positive way I look at Drogic. And if he, I just I don't think I don't think Dragic wants to come here. There's no minutes for well, him. I mean, that and be, yeah. this isn't a clear title contender. Like he has a chance to play an actual role for an actual contender. He's gonna he's gonna play 35 minutes a night for the Los Angeles Lakers, guys. <laughs> I, like I'm I'm sorry, man, but he is. They are gonna sign him off the scrap heap, and he is gonna play every point guard minute that they have available. This is this is the Lakers are gonna sign all of these buyout guys. It's not gonna matter. They are gonna be the most hilarious team ever assembled. But that's what's probably going to happen with Drogic. I mean, he wants no, to play. No, it's going to work, and it's going to be the four or five series. Yeah, oh, Mavs no. Lakers. It's not. It's not. That's no. Not it's happen. not. No. No. I mean, I I I feel like he's just going to go over to like Milwaukee. I feel like that's, um, that's maybe. The, I mean, Milwaukee has has minutes for him. I mean, Miami right. probably has minutes for him. I mean, they're they're just better situations for him than than coming to a place where, frankly, he's not going to start over Brunson. Dinwiddie in and Miami make just got way Dinwiddie. more sense as a chance to get a ring. Get a ring, exactly. Does. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, unfortunately for all of us who were hoping to see, you know, those two guys play together, I, I don't think we're going to see it. Not this yeah, year. And look, they they haven't waived Trey Burke to this point. So right. at this point, they're not going to take that cap hit for the summer, the, the 3.2, mm-hmm. 3.5 million. They're going to keep him around with the hopes that they can, you know, if needed, they can get off that that little cap hit that may really matter this summer, uh, depending on what they do. Uh, so the other option is Frank Nilakina. Um, I mean, in the role that Frank and Goran would respectively serve, it's at least close. Which one would be more useful? Not because Frank is a better player than Goran, although we haven't seen Goran in a while. But I, I feel pretty confident saying Goran is a, is a, is a better player than Frank Nilakina. Mm-hmm. But Frank Nilakina serves a very specific into the bench role that's going to be different than what tragic would. And, you know, yeah, I, I just, I think logically, as soon as they made this deal, it, it made sense that tragic would not be coming here. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, completely. I hope he does. And, and, I hope he and, plays. I hope he plays for the Mavericks before he retires. Yeah. It would be would awesome. Be and good. That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. So, uh, that about it. I think we've, we've exhausted so. this trade. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of wait and see. If these guys are healthy, I, I feel way better about it, but it's just the health. I mean, you traded one guy who's constantly injured for two guys that are constantly injured. So uh, I have to just essentially – I'm splitting my Porzingis, I don't know, angst amongst Dinwiddie and Bertans. That's it. It's um, it's very funny. We did. I don't think we even mentioned that Luca scored 51 points Thursday night. He was nuts. He was nuts. That's yeah. all. I, that's all I got on that. I, I just put him on his back and just said, "All right, let's do this." I, the first Why? quarter was crazy. It was nuts. I watched it again this morning. That guy it's, was. Just, it's, 
he's it's like, crazy, but right. it's also he's not like if young. you if you soft if you soft switch Zubac onto Luca every yeah. possession, what else? Do- what is Tyloo doing? Like this is this is the they played Zubac off the court for this exact reason by game four. Yeah, yeah. It, less than a year yeah. ago, like like it was it was both an incredible Luca's back fully back at a, the the peak of his powers and also the most predictable thing from the first moment that it was clear that the the, the Clippers were just going to play soft switching defense and that yeah. Luca just could go to work. It's, well, it's safe it's to say funny. that Luca is in better shape now. He has played himself into shape. Well, I mean, yeah. you can see definition in it's his arms joke. again. Yes, I, like, I'm sorry, but like you could see, like his upper arms look better, <laughs> yeah. right? Like not to be a weirdo, but it is true. He's it, slimmer. Which it's, is a, great. it's a Shaq Fantastic. in 2002 scenario. He showed up a little, yeah. a little hey. puffy, but by midseason, it's all good. It's fine. They yeah, posted a photo. Time, man. The Mavs posted a photo of him holding a football. Uh, I think at a practice yesterday or two days ago on Wednesday. And I was just like, Luca. He looks very handsome here. And and that is that is directly tied to the fact that he is he's clearly in as good of shape as 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 ever. You know, maybe maybe not quite what he was like headed into the bubble. Yeah. But uh but yeah, no, he's he's you know, I I put I put this line in, in the, the piece I wrote for Friday is that, you know, he's back to being an undisputed top five player and it's possible this is the last time in a decade if there's any question about that. I don't want to be that guy that that is saying the same thing over and over again, but I'm going to say this until he does it. I'll know this guy is serious about wanting to be the best when he shows up in shape to start a season. Like, look at what Nikola Jokic has done. Okay? Yeah. That guy, we we kind of made fun of him. He was doughy. Now, his his impetus to get in shape was he was getting married. Great. But he also has been kicking ass nonstop. He's been the best player in the world, statistically. Whether whether that suits your your taste or not is you know where we're splitting hairs, but Nikola Jokic has been one of the three best players in the world for the last two years, and him being in the best shape of his life is a large part of it. So I, Luca being in shape now is right. great, but I want to see it to start a season. You're 100 percent right. I will also say what I've said before is that when his ramp up to a season is normal. He's been in shape every time. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but so I, there. Look, I'm sorry, but other guys, they they went through the same thing. They came in in shape. I, no, I, you're I just, right. I'm, yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. But I will also say that you know you, you've got to also acknowledge that when his ramp now to be the best player, like to be this version of the player, you know he's got to he's got to stay in this level of shape even when he has a shortened off season because Tim Grover still making but, money off keeping Michael Jordan in shape. I, I'm sorry, like like just get in shape. That's it. Be in shape. But I'm just saying both both things can yeah. be true. He's also you know I know people don't want to hear this, but he's he's 22 making a whole lot of money. Like sometimes right. it takes guys to figure it out. He can figure it out any sure. year or two. Oh, and no, no, no. Be and I would argue most players. Yeah. Most players. He just happens to be so much better than everybody else. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm not worried about him finding a way to do it because he's going to. He is going to. Yeah. And then I mean, but, then then we're talking potentially averaging a triple double. We're talking about wild things being on the table. Oh, shit, he's basically. Uh, I mean, he kind of is already right now. But like, what yeah. happens when he does this and he's really locked and loaded? What's going to happen then? That's the fun part. That like, as good as he is now, there are so many ways you can still go. Oh, it's going to get better. I think Jokic is is a prime example, man. Yeah, it's a prime he's, example. If there's one place that we can and probably should leave off to end this episode, it's that. Yeah, like whatever you think about this trade, about everything else. They got the most important part right. And the most important <laughs> right. part is still like probably a fraction of what he's going to be. So like, you know, yeah. it's it really was a nice a nice night for Luca to set a career high in points of a day when everybody's hand-wringing about what does this trade mean? What does that mean? And then Luca goes out it's like it's still all about me doing Luca stuff and I'm not going anywhere. It it it's it's very funny that they traded uh for Porzingis and it was a move that centered the team's imminent future around one player, Luka Doncic. And then three years later, they traded Porzingis away. And it's a move that centered the team's future <laughs> around one player, Luka Doncic. And the idea that they're committed to roster change around this player that, you know, the, the star they had brought in uh, was not good enough. I, I, you know, when they traded Porzingis, you know what he did? He tied his career high with 35 points. He had 18 in the first quarter against Cleveland. It was the, it was the first game he played after the Porzingis trade his rookie year. He went out and did that. In, in the last 12 games, Lucas, uh, I, he is 
he, he's 32, 10, 10 on 50, 40. And I didn't look at his free throws, probably like 75 or something. Um, but yeah, he's that good. He's that good. Uh, I, I, I want to end one place and we're ending here, but one, one sentence of how this trade made you feel uh, right now and, and headed into the future. What's, what's like your, your summary wrap up to just what this deal represented, what it was. I'm fully wait and see. That's it. Yeah. I, I need to see it and I want to see these guys healthy, hopefully. Uh, and then we can judge it. But otherwise, I mean, I think it's, it is a recentering to a certain degree. And I think that it lets you know that their, their head is likely this summer. How do we swing a trade and get a second star? Which I don't think that they've been in that mode since they got Porzingis. I don't, they haven't been able to, but this summer they may be able to. I mean, my one sentence answer, not to crib off my own column that from D that I hope you guys read if you haven't already, but the Mavericks bet on themselves, and now we're going to see how well-placed that faith is. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think those are two two good ones. I think that trade grades, immediate trade grades, are always kind of um, premature in, in entertainment. Um, but I think with this one, it's, it's very much a wait and see, and, and I guess my one-sentence answer is like, they have committed to roster change and they have recentered their future once again around Luca and Luca's potential. So I think that's where we can leave it. Thank you everybody for listening. This was a bit longer. We had a lot to work through. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, back to our early schedule, I think. Um, yeah, we can do, we can do an episode last week and, and or next week. And we'll probably take the one after off for the all-star break. Um, but yeah, let's talk then. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>